The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing where we are here as we are every Wednesday at five o'clock to help both educate and inspire you to start or grow your own real estate investing business. A couple of quick things to get out of the way before we get to our big topic this evening, which is the hotness of the turnkey rental market. Uh, This is the week where... Uh, Cincinnati Rhea has its first meeting for the month of March. I mean, this was a weird week. It was like Monday night was the creative finance focus group. Tuesday night was the Kentucky subgroup. They're usually a week apart, right? But because the month ended in the middle of the week and it was a short month, this is how it worked. Um, tonight is the wholesaling focus group over at Perkins on Hamilton Avenue. And then tomorrow night is the meeting. And then there's a, and then there's a, an all day marketing event on Saturday. It was like nothing but emails this week from Rhea of Greater Cincinnati. Anyway, tomorrow night's meeting is, um, as always, it's a a twofold meeting. The six to seven o'clock meeting is a hands-on workshop about how to hire a virtual assistant. Everybody talks about you should hire a virtual assistant. Virtual assistants are awesome. And yet so few people do it. And part of the hangup is just, well, how do I do it? So Rhea President Anita Johnson is going to walk you through the process. She's actually going to open up a, a a virtual assistant website and post a job and show you how the thing works and show you how many people res- will respond to it and talk about what virtual assistants can do and all of that sort of thing. So that's at 6 o'clock at 7.30. I don't know why they did this. They should have learned their lesson from real-life real estate investing, but they're handing the microphone over to Mr. Drew for an entire hour and a half. And with no seven-second delay, like whatever he whatever comes out of his mouth, people in the room are just going to hear it. Gasp. I know. And he's going to be talking about, he's going to be, they they call, they call, call, call the seven-second delay button the Mr. Drew button here at the station. He's going to talk about um, negotiation because after after finding deals, that's kind of the second most important thing about are you actually going to get a deal right now is, you know. Is the seller going to respond to you and have rapport with you and trust you and all of those sorts of things? And since Drew's negotiated like, I don't know, a thousand deals, um, he's going to give some tips about that. So that's at the 730 meeting. You can get more information about that at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's Cincinnati, R-E-I-A.com. You can also download a free guest pass there if you have never attended before. Topic tonight is turnkey rentals and 
it seems like we never ever talked about these five years ago and that now we are talking about them all the time it's a <laughs> the, the topic the topic of turnkey rentals just comes up every place i go not so much in the circles i move in not so much from the perspective of how do i invest in a turnkey rental but more how do i become the guy who finds and rehabs and sells the turnkey rental so to help us sort of understand why this is such a hot 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 topic right now when it was non-existent <laughs> prior to about 2009 um we brought back rob gillespie better known as rob the house guy who uh, is a turnkey rental provider in the Cleveland, Ohio area. He is joining us by phone from his home near Cleveland. Rob, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, thanks for having me on, Vina. Uh, glad to have you. You know, it's um, in addition to this being a super hot topic, it's also one that the people who do it seem to be weirdly secretive about. Like they don't, <laughs> they don't want to, they don't want. No, seriously, like, like. You know, be, before I before I found you eight months ago, I guess I had asked three or four different people that I know that are that are making I kid you not hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in this business to just come on the show and talk about what they do and and I almost never get turned down like like it's almost never the case that somebody goes no I don't want the I don't want the increased credibility of being on the radio but every single every single one of them. <laughs> was like, you know, no, I kind of have this to myself right now, and I don't really want people to know about it. So, you know, we really appreciate you being being willing to share and, and not think that by, that by telling folks about uh, what you do that somehow you're, I don't know, reducing your own market in some way. Um, so, right. So let's, um, let's, let's start with Rob. Uh, like, you've been doing this, you've been doing real estate for a long time um yeah how, how 20 that... years in may okay yeah, 20 years in may okay um it started out with um my mom this is simple the simple ways we all start out having a rental my mom always told me to buy a double live at home and rent it out so i, I started out i bought a double live at home and rent it out i worked as a tool and die maker and i was just hustling along and doing traditional putting money down and uh you know, getting loans, and I didn't understand anything about capitalization rates or anything about true cash flow or what it took to manage or anything else. And I was just lucky enough, I guess, to make money at my job. Just kept buying more and more and more and found out I wasn't very profitable at all and uh, quit my job. So what a better thing to do is take the only profit center of my life away because I want to be a full-time investor. And uh, at that time, there really wasn't a lot of education like there is today with podcasts and radio shows. And there, then I found a RIA group. I found a, a RIA group in Akron, Ohio. And I uh, learned quite a bit from it and um, started out and just went into wholesaling. And, uh, you know, since then, done about a thousand deals and then developed into a turnkey provider for various reasons since then. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, well, and, and let's talk about those various reasons, because people who do a lot of retailing, who, who, who would, would more typically buy a house, fix it up and sell it to a homeowner, are all screaming Look. bloody murder about the fact that they're they're getting their their profits are getting squeezed, right? They can't they can't they can't buy that house that will be worth two fifty fixed up at seventy cents on the dollar less repair costs anymore because there's too many people who want it and there's too few 
there's too few deals that fit that description out there. So, so right. h- how is it that you're managing to to do this anyway? Well, you know, through a lot of connections, you know, like you've been here in the business forever, like deals after a while, they just come to you. I mean, obviously we have a lot of marketing, a lot of ways to sift through things. Um, so I can beat the market a lot that way. I'm very good at taking wholesalers that are new and um, not doing a ton of stuff on their own and grabbing them and putting them into my arsenal and having them bring me properties and uh, just creating a, uh, a market for the turnkey uh, buyers. See, and I'm, there's money in everything. When I'm, when I'm talking about turnkey, obviously it's not the only game in town. I, I've sold stuff retail. I've wholesaled stuff. I've done the buy, fix, and sale, whatever it is. But everything has its downfalls. And, for instance, the, the retail buyer, we all know, is a snob. The retail buyer, if they have an approval letter with their money down, they are expecting absolutely positive just complete perfection in that property. They're looking for granite, the right colors, the right layout, and everything to get you to sell them that house at top dollar. Our turnkey providers, they're buying a return on investment. They don't care. And our occupants that are making it a return on investment are either Section 8, private pay, or they're a rent-to-own buyer. And they're all very forgiving with, obviously it's not a dump, but it doesn't have to be that palace that they're looking for in the uh, retail market. So no granite? No, no granite. <laughs> Once in a while, if we get it by accident, <laughs> we don't go out setting out to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, very good. I want to I want to really dig into what it is you're doing and, you know, how, how folks who were maybe thinking, I'm ready to give up on traditional retailing at the moment, maybe this is the better market in this in this market cycle uh but first we do have to take a quick break i also want to invite our listeners to join into the conversation and here's how you do that listeners you can call i'm only going to give this phone number out once because poor george is like chief cook and bottle washer today he's he's running the boards he's he's got a if the phone rings he's got to like get up and walk out of the I can get it here. oh you do oh see oh, yeah. mike never i thought somebody always answered it up there never mind I'm you mean be... i'd have to get off my rear end and do something <laughs> no i'm gonna I, i'm gonna give the phone number out every time then i thought i thought you actually had to run out there to do this okay so the number is 877-772-9658 that's 877-772-9658 you can also send an email uh, just send it to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Rob Gillespie, better known as Rob the House Guy, which sounds like a complete sentence with a verb and a noun. And <laughs> it's like every time I say that, I'm like, no, no, don't rob the house guy. He's a nice guy. But I guess it's memorable. conversation. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And um, just just for everybody's information, um, Rob is, uh, I don't know, such a huge sucker. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it is <laughs> that um, uh, he's actually going to be giving presentations at both uh, Cincinnati, RIA and Central Ohio Real Estate Entrepreneurs in the next month where he can have slides and show you pictures and kind of describe the before and after and 
do all of those things. Um, the Columbus presentation is next Tuesday, which I believe is March the 7th, and you can get more information about that at centralohioria.com. And then his Cincinnati presentation is the second or the third Thursday in March. So the next meeting, in other words, that is the 15th. And you can get more information about that at CincinnatiRia.com. And then the two groups are co-hosting an all-day Saturday session with him on the 25th. So um, if, you, if you're kind of, you know, you hear the 42 minutes that we get to have together and you go, man, I want to know more than that, CentralOhioRia.com or CincinnatiRia.com. Uh, we'll tell you how to get more than that. So, uh, Rob, let's talk about um, what is it? What is it with Turnkey Rentals? Like, why? Why did they go from literally zero to kind of a big hot topic in such a short period of time? Well, my hypothesis on why it got so sexy so quick is at least here in the Midwest in the Rust Belt. Because the property values dropped so low, and it got the international and West Coast crowd so excited because they're looking at properties for the price of their Toyota Camry. Mm -hmm. And then they're looking at the return on investment, and then with the stock market being volatile, they're like, well, you know, maybe it's not a bad thing. And then, you know, word spreads, and then cocktail parties, people talk, and next thing you know, people just get addicted, and they all want the game. And really, it's taking – it's almost weird now when I – when I go to meet an investor that's going to buy some properties from me, if he's from the area, it's odd if he speaks English. I have literally ridden around in my car, had guys fly in, and I'm talking into Google Translate, hitting Translate, and showing them the screen of what it says because they don't speak any English to come mm-hmm. here and buy, and they'll spend millions. Mm. Interesting, and and I think I think that speaks that speaks to how much trust the world still has in the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar, even with all of the, you know, the slow recovery and all the bad news and and so on, because for somebody to come across the world to want to put their money into something they can't carry home with them, (laughs) you know, no no matter how they slice it, they are not taking that house out of Cleveland and taking it back to wherever. Um, I think that I think that says a lot about um, you know how much trust there is in in the in the overall strength of the U.S. economy. So so I I, I basically I basically agree with you. I mean it's it's purely a matter of the opportunity was there, and these buyers who buy turnkey are from away. You know you don't you don't you probably I bet I bet you don't sell a lot of turnkey rentals to people who live in Cleveland, right? Uh, very rarely, very rarely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had, here and there, I probably sell. I'd probably say twenty percent might be my Cleveland buyers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so what has what has gone on in the world is that prices came way down, and at the same time, we are at record high rents. Right. I mean, I remember. Absolutely. I remember back in two thousand seven. You were it was scraping the bottom of the barrel to find a tenant that you wanted at all, and if you if you found them, you never raised their rent <laughs> because you did not want right. them to move. And now it's kind of it's kind of a landlord's market, right? If you got a, if you got a good rental on the market, people are beating your doors down for it. And and seriously, a lot of my rentals are rented for a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars a month more than they would have been two years ago. Yes, absolutely. And, it, and now Section 8 becoming a, a new major player here, at least in our town. Everyone's wanting Section 8. The buyers want it, and we have so many 
so many occupants that are on it with vouchers that can't find qualified housing, mm-hmm. and they're paying an obscene amount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not call it obscene because, you know, it is market forces that are causing this. Market forces it, plus, plus the distortion caused by the government jumping in with Section 8. But that, well, exactly. That, does, that, doesn't, that doesn't make it obscene. It just makes it um, a very, you know, you can buy, buy houses relatively cheap and fix them up and get a lot of money for them. Obviously, people are going to want to do that. But the, the, the key with turnkey, as opposed to as opposed to what the people at our RIA groups are looking for in a rental for themselves, is that these folks don't want to have to do anything, right? Correct. I mean, here's, a, here's the example I always use. When you buy a treadmill, do you want a treadmill? No, I want to be skinny. You want to be skinny. You want a good body. That's why you buy a treadmill. People don't want a house. They don't want a bunch of lumber sitting on top of a block foundation with a yard in some city. They want a return on investment. So the wholesaling model works well with someone that's in the game. Like, you know, Vina, you could wholesale me something. I can wholesale you something because we're in the game and we're here. And we have our contractors. We know what we're doing. But when you're dealing with someone from California or even a local physician that just wants to put his pension money to work, they don't want to deal with a contractor. They don't want the variables. They don't want the house. They just want a return on investment. They don't want to think about it. It has to be a managed asset, and a confused mind will say no. So if you can give them something that's laid out, non-confusing, in an organized fashion for the analyticals, because the analyticals are the ones that have all the money, the people that are paying attention to everything, they'll buy Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, we're starting to get some questions coming in via email at askvina at gmail.com. Uh, we can also, of course, take your questions by phone, as it turns out. As it turns out, I've been sitting in the studio for like seven years now, and I never knew that George could answer the phone here in the studio. Uh, 772 or 877 are the numbers to call if you'd uh, just like to, to call in your questions. And uh, we'll start taking those. Uh, very, we'll take, start taking those very soon. So if you have uh, questions you'd like to email, send it to askvina at gmail dot com. Uh, but before we before we get to those, let's hit on the basics here, Rob. You have a particular kind of property that you like to buy and fix, and then resell as a turnkey rental because it's what your customers want. Describe that property. Like what what kind of neighborhood are we talking about? I would probably say a B.C. neighborhood. I don't like to put them in war zones. Sometimes they want war zones. But the B.C. working class neighborhood is where I put them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably I'm probably not going to be the best salesman here by saying this. I don't always give my customers what they want. I give them what they need. <laughs> I get my, the, my main call, the easiest thing to sell is a multi-unit, a small multi-unit, three, mm-hmm. four units. But that is definitely going to have more turnover, more babysitting, more management headaches. You're paying the water and sewer, more maintenance, everything. I try to sell single families because they're simple and they're going to perform better. And the people stay forever, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And actually, not in my opinion. It's just a fact. <laughs> they stay mm-hmm. a lot longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so within that, within that um, sort of range of neighborhood type and property type, is there do you have a favorite number of bedrooms is there will you not sell a one bedroom will you not sell a five bedroom what what are you what are you looking for i look for the deal i look for the deal that makes that makes sense when people ask all these television shows always have us you know fix this and flip that and everything else and it always shows people in there tearing out walls of sledgehammers and putting travertine tile down 
And everyone thinks, you know, anytime you see in real estate, that's what they assume you do is you just buy, fix, and sell. And I always say I do financial fixes. I go in and take a non-performing asset and get it to perform. Maybe it's vacant. Maybe they're not paying. They're going through an eviction. So I'll, I'll find things from a one-bedroom to a five- or six-bedroom. It doesn't matter as long as it makes sense financially and there's a market for it. Obviously, I don't run across any one-bedrooms, but I do, I do some two-bedroom homes. Mm-hmm. And there's people that will gladly accept those because you know, they're going to be less expensive and um, they're still in a good area. Mm-hmm. And and understanding that that you are in Cleveland, so so these numbers would vary if you were doing the same thing in Atlanta or you know San Antonio or one of the other really hot turnkey markets. Um, what what basic price range of house are you in from X to Y? Well, you know our my typical market for turnkey is less than a hundred thousand dollars is what their buy in is. Mm. Um, 50 is a strong number for us. And, and I put those in the outlying, uh, I, it sounds like it's probably bad to say like ghetto burbs, I call them, you know, it's kind of inner city. They're, they're like city homes, but they're still the suburbs. They're not Cleveland schools. They're a better school district. They have their own police department, own fire department. They're not relying on the Cleveland based, uh, fire and police departments. Uh, and we'll, we'll get people into those for, you know, $50,000 usually, uh, sometimes 60, depending um, so if they're sold on rent to own, we'll be selling them on rent to own for seventy nine nine, eighty nine nine, in there, eight ninety five a month. Mm-hmm. That's our that's our sweet spot. Uh, we have sold some higher, obviously, and some lower, but that's like where we like to hang out. Mm-hmm. So when you say when you say you're getting your buyer in for fifty to sixty, is that all in? Is that repairs, purchase, everything? Mm-hmm. That's everything. That's that's a turnkey done asset. So even if sometimes they'll buy them before they're done. So if they if need ten thousand dollars of paying fifty, maybe they'll take forty and put ten in escrow or something, and then when it's finished, then we get the other ten. Mm-hmm. We'll do that sometimes, mm-hmm. but all in it on the fifty mark. Got it, got it. So so do you do you sort of use the? I say typical only because it's it's the the formula that people hear most often. Do you sort of use the I want to be in for after repaired value times point seven minus repair costs when I'm buying? Yeah, that's a, actually that's a very. Uh, that's a very good formula. Yes, I do use that. Um, I don't. I don't know the Cincinnati market would take me, you know, there to really start to learn it. But um, up here, things vary so much. I mean, the house this one's paying fifty four that we're selling for seventy nine nine. You know, you can buy a house in those neighborhoods for twenty, and there's also some selling retail for eighty or ninety. Mm-hmm. So the the comps are all over the board. So it's kind of, you know, it's kind of ambiguous to say you know exact number what it is. But I try to buy them. Right, that's for sure. I'd definitely go off the lowest comp when I'm trying to pick them up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, we're going to take another quick break to talk about all of this stuff that's going on with down trees and oh wow, I'm you know kind of looking at the TV here and it's there's there's all this stuff going on. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to talk about more cheerful things like how you can make money in turnkey rentals. If you have a question for Rob, call 877-772-9658 or uh, just send us an email at askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Um, so many questions <laughs> have popped up on askvina at gmail.com that I think we need to knock some of these off, Rob, because uh, just as you and I seem to think this is a hot topic, so does um, Carol from Atlanta. Uh, she says, what would you say your buyer's biggest priorities are? Is it pr- protecting their principal, in other words, not losing money, 
or is it actually getting a higher return than they can get elsewhere, or is it an inflation hedge? Wow, that is a great question, Carol. Um, that actually depends on who your buyer is. When you're dealing with an extremely high net worth buyer, they know how to make money on their own. They know how to make better, money better than I know how to make money. They just don't want to lose money. So if they can at least keep up or beat inflation a little bit, they're happy. Your new money, if you will, someone that's just starting to come into money and just starting to hit it a little bit, they want to make a lot. That's really their, their primary focus is, you know, what kind of return on investment can I get? Um, I try not to deal with people that are so entry level. They're giving me their last 20,000 bucks to buy an inner city house for 20 grand. And they're going to try to live off the rent money. Mm. I try to not deal with those folks as much as I do. The guy that maybe has a couple hundred thousand dollars that wants a nice return. Those are pretty easy. And then when you get into the hedge funds and stuff, it's just about just beating inflation. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, question here from Christy, who is in Cincinnati. She says, do your foreign investors typically form some sort of a, lo- a local or at least U.S. LLC to buy properties through? Yes, they, they all have local companies, local bank accounts. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, not, I'm not part of that. They get all that set up. I, I pass them off to an attorney. Okay. Now, is that because, and this is my question, not uh, Christie's, is that because you want you want it that way or because there's some legal reason that they need to have a U.S. entity to own U.S. property? It's just the easiest. It's just the easiest way, easiest way I found, especially for banking and stuff. For like, because the management companies, to send money offshore and stuff is just more challenging. It's easier just to put it into a Bank of America account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to file taxes here anyhow. So most most of my buyers, I'm not bringing from the zero to one state. Like they come to me, they already understand the game. They already, they've already done some market research. They understand about buying in America. They already have their LLC and bank account opened up. Many of them have already bought some properties and they come to me because I can provide them a better product than they can find on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. A question from Tiffany, who doesn't say where she's from. Uh, she says, so are you managing the properties for the buyers after they purchase from you? Heck no. No, that is um, that's not my uh, that's not my business. Uh, I refer them to a couple different management companies, and the management company that I refer them to is going to be different based on the type of property it is. You know, there's some that work very well in the suburbs, and then you need those inner city managers that aren't afraid to go knock on doors and stuff if the people do decide to buy in a in a D neighborhood. And there's some people that's all they want. They they do not want the suburbs. They want the stuff that's really cheap. So. No, I outsource all my management. Okay, I'm, 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 I, if you were sitting in the studio with me, you would see that I would, I was laughing when you said, you know, oh my goodness, no, because I think, I think a lot of people um, who who would be good at the part of this that is finding the deals and fixing them and even finding the buyers don't want to do this because they believe that the management of the properties, the subsequent manager of the properties, is somehow wrapped up in the whole idea of turnkey and I, I know for a lot of for a lot of providers they do do that but i'm i'm like you i'm like why <laughs> the, the, yes the providing of the management is an ongoing source of income as opposed to the selling of the property which is a one-time check but right. it's also you know to me not worth the amount of money that one makes for managing <laughs> the property so because I thought it was funny when you said that. Um, Tiffany had a follow-up question, which is, how are you advertising to these out-of-state and out-of-country buyers? Okay, that's a great question. Um, 
fortunate for me, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of exposure from being on radio shows and podcasts and um, Skype interviews online and so forth. Uh, I do market to uh, buyers that are already buying in my area, of course. It's not hard. Everything's public record. It's so nice is real estate versus selling Kirby vacuum cleaners, having to guess if they want a vacuum or not. You can just look at public records and see the trends. If you see there's you know, a certain LLC that's buying six or seven properties in a certain neighborhood and paying cash, you want to try to contact them and say, hey, look, I can provide you with houses over here. Uh-huh. And, and do it better than what a lot of the gurus will tell you to do. And no offense to gurus, but there's so many people out there that will teach them to just send a blank postcard and stuff. Really try to communicate with them because I throw those in the garbage and I get them all the time. But I've, I've had a guy actually walk into my office because he saw I was buying heavy in an area just to meet with me and talk to me about selling me stuff. And that got my attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very true. Um, we just got a question from uh, Bob in Columbia, South Carolina. But Bob, check your email because I just sent you an email back because I'm not, I, I don't think I understand what you're asking. So I'm going to ask you to clarify the question. Um, let's see. There's some other questions here. Uh, so JC from Las Vegas says... A lot of investors are seeing things that are lacking in the market right now. For instance, everyone is complaining about the lack of deals. Rehabbers are, are complaining about the lack of good contractors. What does Rob see as lacking in the turnkey business? What's the number one thing he wishes he had more of? Time. <laughs> Just time. <laughs> You're not lacking anything. There's everything there. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> no, and- I mean, go stand in the middle of the street and look up and down the street of how many houses there are. And if you truly knew all their stories and could truly get into their home, there's deals on that street. Just any street USA, you stand up there and look, you're going to find a deal. Not hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to take time to do it. Okay, uh, so let me let me well, while I'm waiting for Bob to uh, respond to my question about his question. Let me go back to the questions that I had sort of uh, outlined that I wanted to know from you. Um, Typically, and I know, again, this is a range and it depends on a whole bunch of things, including did something go wrong in the middle of the deal or something like that. But but how much in the Midwest can someone who's who's doing this right expect to make from a typical turnkey rental sale? Oh, I always try to do no less than a, a 10 cap, and that means a 10% rate of return after expenses um, for somebody that's parking their money. So, you know, drive down the street and you'll see a bank. I, I don't know why they even spend the money to put a billboard up saying, hey, now paying 0.9% on a CD or something, but 10% is a heck of a high rate of return. So the 10% is what I go for, and I go for 20% in the hood. If you're in the inner city, I'm sorry, I'm not politically correct. Please don't send emails saying, don't say ghetto on hood and stuff. I don't mean anything by it. I go there all the time and I live there, but that's just the terminology I use. Um, so, yeah, so, so 20% in the deprived areas. So that's where, that's what, that's what your investors can expect. What I'm asking is the guy who's providing the turnkey rental. I'm finding it. I'm negotiating it. Oh, how much can I make? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that just varies on how much rehab there is. I mean, there's times I'll do them for, you know, 5,000 bucks. There's, there's people called resellers out there that all they are are people that have all the buyers and they'll mm-hmm. call guys like me that have the houses and they'll make three to five thousand dollars a hit just for making the connection on the house mm-hmm. all the way up there's times that you know I'll make twenty five thousand on a uh, turnkey to somebody. But I always leave meat on the bone. I don't want to bury any of my investors so deep in there that they can't sell it if they have to and find another investor that would take it off their hands. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay, so um, where what is your favorite source of deals right now? <laughs> My favorite source of deals, and this sounds horrible to say, are the out-of-town guys that were greedy, that came into the marketplace, and they tried buying off the MLS on their own or buying off a of Craigslist on their own without any boots on the ground, and they didn't have any contractors, any management company, any idea of what they were doing, and they buy these things, and they've got a tenant in there that's just not paying, and, and they're just choking on this house, and they call me. That is my favorite source of deals for two reasons. One, because you can usually buy them for whatever, because they're just tired and they want to go put money back in the market. But really, more importantly, I like to basically pull the thorn out of the elephant's foot, fix that problem for them, and then have a buyer for life. That's my favorite source of deals, mm-hmm. is having the, the out-of-state buyers sell to me again after they tried it on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not your own buyers. <laughs> the ones who... Not my own buyers. My <laughs> buyers are fine. It's, it's, but you get these guys that come in, they start buying stuff, and they don't have it. You have to have boots on the ground. I'm not saying it has to be me, but it has to be somebody. You can't just come into a town. Like, even I live pretty close to Cincinnati, I guess, relatively speaking. I don't live across the ocean. But I wouldn't want to go down to Cincinnati and buy a property without having Veena or someone there that, like, knows contractors, knows management companies, knows the laws about putting garbage out a day early. I mean, you have to know that stuff. You can't just guess. It's just too big a learning curve. How did you know about the law about setting out your garbage a day early? Oh, I guess they probably sent Cleveland the letter. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my gosh, you can get the fines for that up here. Yes, yes, and 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 you know, and 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 knowing things like that in the city of Cincinnati, if your um, if your tenant neglects to mow the lawn, even though it says in its lease in his lease that it that he will, you get fined five hundred dollars with no chance to correct that. It's just your la- your your lawn is over ten inches high. Here's a five hundred dollar fine, and it doubles in a week. <laughs> Yeah, it's, and, oh my gosh! <laughs> no, I'm serious, and I know people are very shocked when they hear that. And it's the same thing with litter. If the if somebody throws a beer can onto the lawn out of their car, and the the you know public works people see it, five hundred dollar instant fine. You can get it cut in half if you will take the day off work and go down to the to the housing court and say I'm really sorry. Unless they decide not to do that. Unless they say, nah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, but, but I use this as an example. I use this, I I use this to um, both uh, let folks in the city of Cincinnati know that this is going on. And also to use this as an example of that is important information to have if you're going to be a landlord. Yeah. You you could, you could have, you could, you can literally get, get $1,700 worth of fines on a single property for a single violation, especially if, they're not mailing the postcard to the right place or whatever. And thus, you know, turnkey rental buyers, I would recommend that they not buy inside the city of Cincinnati. There's like, you know, 12 surrounding cities that if your lawn gets long, they tell you and give you a chance to mow it <laughs> before they start. Right. These store these. And, and that's <laughs> that's the kind of thing that, you know, people say, well, how, you know, what's the big deal about boots on the ground? I can look on Google Maps and see the property. No, you're looking at a two-year-old picture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> before oh the fire I, yeah <laughs> exactly so, oh it, it's just as simple as like you know you'll get a guy that will call me and tell me he put a new furnace in the house and he's living in australia and he spent like 4500 on this furnace <gasps> so i was like that's a 1200 job uh-huh. <laughs> like you said 4500 on a rental property's furnace 
Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, yeah, that, those are good. Those are very good leads. If you're looking for buyers, those are great ones to find. If people are already buying them, they don't have anyone taking care of my babysitting them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very true. Okay, so did I get the question back from – ah, here we go. <sighs> This question is from Bob, who's in Columbia, South Carolina, and his original question was, how important is liquidity to your investors? And I asked for some um, clarification on that, and he's saying, how long before, how long do they allow him to keep their money out before they want it back, and what if they want it back sooner than planned? So, Bob, I think you're, you're talking about a different part of this deal. Um because I assume, Rob, that people who, who buy turnkey rentals from you kind of expect to own them until they die or retire. or It's not it's not like yeah. I'm in and out in five years. It's a long-term thing for them, right? Right. It's how long you want to hold it. Honestly, we do have a, some that we set up on rent-to-owns, and those work better in the higher-end houses, maybe the 89.9 ones, uh, even the 99.9 ones. And we'll put a three-year term on those, and those will cash out sometimes. But other than that, you just hold it as long as you want. And then when you get tired of it, as long as you bought it right, you can usually find another buyer in 60 days. Mm-hmm. Not real hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people don't want to make 10% on their money? You know, you <laughs> ask this when your friends have a cocktail party, say, look, I this house is performing well. Do you want to buy it? They'll buy it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, I think I think maybe what Bob is is more referring to is something that I had meant to get to asking you, so let's do that now. How are you getting the money to buy and fix these properties and hold them until they sell? Very good question. One of three ways. One, I just buy them myself, but I run out of money way before I run out of houses to buy. I mean, there's always more houses to, to go and get. So once in a while, I'll use my own money. Two, I have short-term financial backers, which I'll pay. Um, I'll pay them money to um, front the money on the house and the rehab. So it's like private capital, but not really. Um, you know, so I'll pay a thousand bucks a month for that money, regardless of price. We're not going based off of size or anything because all our houses are about the same price. So if I'm buying a house for twenty five and I need to put ten into it for thirty five thousand sell for fifty and I have to have the money out for a month on that, then I'll, you know, borrow the thirty five and put add a thousand bucks to it to make thirty six. Um, and third, a lot of times you'll get the, the guys that will buy them ahead of time. They'll, I'll just tell my my investors, they'll say, hey, look, I've got one. It's coming on the market. I just put it in contract, and it's, I'm not going to hit the market yet. If you want it, you can buy it right now. Um, it's going to need about 8000 bucks in work, so you can just put the 8000 bucks in escrow if you want and pay for the work mm-hmm. later, but that's it. And then that's what we uh, we do. So either the investor pays for it, I pay for it, or I have my money back that will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Bob, I think the short answer to your question is that he does not keep money out long. He doesn't have private lenders that are into deals for four, five, six, seven, eight years. So it's probably kind of a non-issue from that uh, perspective. Right. So Yeah, so Bob, if you wanted to be a, a private money backer, not for me, I'm just saying in general to someone in your area that's, that's doing this, you can expect to make a grand overnight on your money if you put twenty five, thirty five thousand bucks out and you get a grand extra. So it's really great rate of return, especially if you have a good relationship with someone to keep money rolling. All right, very good. We need to take one final quick break here. When we come back, we'll answer a couple more questions and get some more information from Rob about turnkey rentals. We'll go back right after this. 
Well, welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. On the line with me is Rob Gillespie, uh, who once again is going to be doing a couple of presentations. And, and Rob, I think this is like the first time you've gotten in front of a RIA group and told people about this, right? I'm starting to feel like that magician that everyone outed because he gave all the secrets away to the other <laughs> magician's magic tricks. I didn't realize it was such a taboo topic to be sharing with everybody. So, yes, I will be there sharing all the secrets. And, uh, you know, hopefully I don't get killed on the way in. <laughs> well, it won't, it won't be by me. Um, so so you'll be in Columbus next week on Tuesday. Uh, CentralOhioRia.com yes. will get folks the detailed schedule and also uh, free guest pass if they haven't been before Cincinnati on March 15th um, CincinnatiRia.com and then in both places look for the all day Saturday session on the 25th which is going to be held in Columbus uh, we've got about five minutes left Rob and as much as I would love to continue to ask you my questions I think we got to get to these listener questions because um, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they, they're, they're, they're asking better questions than me anyway um, uh, let's see uh, so Bob wants to know, do your buyers more often pay cash or do they more often get their own financing? Uh, yeah, my, this is just me as a turnkey provider. I'm not, I'm not the only turnkey provider in America, but for me, I want cash. I don't want to horse around with a bank and try to get financing because many times, remember, there's something called title seasoning. And if a bank looks that I bought the thing three weeks ago for a lesser amount, I'm going to have all kinds of explaining to do on why I marked it up and saying, well, I had to put this money into it. And I had to put a tenant into it. And it just gets a pain in the butt. So my guys either pay cash or they pull an equity line on their house. Or if they do pay cash, I'll help them refinance it afterwards. I do that a lot. But for me, I don't want to mess with waiting for financing. If I'm going to do that, I'll just sell something retail. It sounds like a lot of your, uh, the success of your business is based on sheer velocity. Getting them in and getting yes. them out the door and moving on to the next yes. one or three or five or <laughs> however many are happening uh, simultaneously. Uh, okay, this one is from Ben in St. Louis. He says, um, are you finding that a lot of your domestic buyers, in other words, the ones within the United States, are using self-directed accounts and or might be exchanging out of a more expensive market into more houses in a cheaper market? That is a great question, and that's absolutely true. When you say exchange, I, I do not have anyone coming out of a 1031 exchange. That's the tax code where you can exchange properties. I do have people coming out of properties in more expensive areas coming to our market. And, yes, lots of uh, solo 1401Ks and you know, self-directed IRAs. And I always talk to my buyers about that. If they're not familiar with how it works, I, I do go into some – Details on how they can have massive tax benefits by using their IRA or 401k, and then I turn them on to a custodian. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you find that your typical buyer is a multi-house buyer, or does he just buy one house from you? Multi. And that's, the, that's another beautiful thing about this business. The retail business, when you go sell Bob and Betty homeowner their home, you don't call them in three months and say, hey, I got our house for you. What do you think? They don't want to move again. But my buyers, absolutely, they're already asking me about the next house before they even sign the papers on this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have, we have one minute left. So what I want to ask you is, other than coming to one of your presentations in Cincinnati or Columbus, <laughs> what piece of advice would you give to somebody who was interested in exploring more about getting into the turnkey business themselves? Well, I guess the best piece of advice would be the advice for anyone is to take action. But if you're already in a um, 
if you're already in the real estate business and you're a wholesaler, I would suggest educating yourself on understanding numbers, understanding how to uh, calculate a rate of return. And I would understand the rehab market, what it costs to fix a house. And then um, I would start looking for some people that are showing trends and buying lots of properties in the area. And then once you find those, you kind of have your turn, keep business up and running. It's all public record. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. Uh, appreciate your time today, Rob, and looking forward to seeing you in Columbus next week and in Cincinnati the week after that. Uh, for everybody else, we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>